Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yano, I know the camera is on, but what am I meant to do? When a wrestling promotion puts on a pay-per-view like that and your job is to come on and try and recount it, it's like, there's nothing. There ain't nothing I can do, so I'm just going to stand here and look over there. Of course, I'm not going to do that. What I am going to do is I'm going to take the finger of power and I'm going to do my best to up those downs for AEW Revolution 2022, which is officially in the books. Now, if you are watching this because you just want to be caught up and you're not going to watch the damn thing, Believe you me, absolutely check it out. It was borderline ridiculous, which will be the word for this episode of Ups and Downs. But hey, look, we are here. Let's go and up those downs for AEW Revolution. I know, I know, this isn't fair, but my job is to keep these videos as short as possible, and the AEW Revolution card did the opposite of my hairline, it just kept growing and growing. So just to tie in really quickly, the whole buy-in absolutely rocked. You had Hook being QT Marshall, you had Layla Hirsch defeating Chris Statlander, you had Don Callis returning to AEW and trolling us all by pretending to be Kenny Omega, and you had this six-man tag team match that was flubbing nonsense. I mean, it was just super duper fun time 9000, as the House of Black took on Pac, Penta, and Eric Redbeard. And when it came to the finish too, Brody King basically picked up Mr. Redbeard and slammed him right on his head. And yes, that was absolutely crazy. So if you take it all, it is getting a massive up. But do make sure you watch it. It was all top, top stuff. And I know this was a crazy long show, but I ain't gonna stand here and moan about somebody going, hey, Simon, do you want a bunch of good wrestling? Revolution then got going properly with Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho and flubbed me sideways. These two guys just tried to kill each other. Like Jericho time and time again has all been like, man, I need to adapt to other people's styles and I need to keep evolving. And that is exactly what happened here. I mean, I think the first thing we saw was Jericho getting dumped right on his head courtesy of Eddie and Kingston was not mucking around at all. He just stormed to the ring during his entrance. He was like, man, bells, whistles, pomp, circumstance. I don't need that of it. This skull match was clearly planned too because we kind of fashioned the whole match around it especially straight afterwards if any kind of maneuver had the word neck in it or break Eddie was like well I know I'm gonna use that eventually Jericho sent Kingston into Barry Barricade so he could take over and make no mistake this was meant to be bad boy Christopher because anytime the crowd would go Eddie Eddie he would just stand there and flip them off he also looked more aggressive than he had done in ages especially when these two guys were chopping each other and also after Jericho had poked Eddie Kingston in the eye Eddie was like referee why did you let that go now I can't see I got vision problems do you know what Jericho did after that <laughs> he went to the top rope and he hit Kingston with a top rope hurricane runner and do not forget 
That dude is 50 years old. He's also a little bit of a cheater as he exposed the top turnbuckle, but that was kind of a ruse, because after we had done code breakers and walls of Jericho's and spinning back fists, there was no two ways about it. This was absolutely great, especially when it came to the finish. Because it really did seem like Jericho had this done because he was hitting so many moves, but then Eddie Kingston hit his second spinning back fist of the evening, and he locked in the stretch plum, which is one of the greatest move names you'll ever hear, and you were looking at Jericho going, well, I don't really understand how he's gonna get out of this when he took his hand and he tapped out. So I did not see this coming and we cemented the fact that Chris Jericho is going down a dark path because Eddie put out his hand like remember what you said on Dynamite you said we would shake these things if I did win and of course Jericho went nah brah he walked up the rampway this probably means we get to do round two and we absolutely should it is getting a definite up. It was then tag team title time and as I said during the intro this was just absolutely ridiculous. Because it was the Jurassic Express defending their titles against Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. And even though we had around about 72,896 moves, you also had a bunch of story in there. I'm sick and tired of people on the internet going, oh man, these guys don't know how to narrative. They do too many moves. No, you're wrong. They do do a bunch of moves, but also they know how to weave a tail. You could only have two people in the ring, so we made sure to establish this by having everybody work with everybody else. And then when Jungle Boy realized they had done that, he went foop and he dived onto the ball. O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Matt and Nick Jackson then went like, okay, we know what we should do here. We should all team together. And they did indeed start to beat up Jungle Boy, probably because he has lovely hair. Eventually Matt had the chance to go for a pin, but that's where this relationship of convenience was broken up because Kyler Ryan was like, no dude, you ain't doing that. And Luchasaurus spied this for afar. So he came running in and he went absolutely wild, including grabbing Carl and giving him a choke slam onto his watery friend. Jungle Express then hit the Doomsday device, which no matter what year will always be a crazy, crazy move. This is when Red Dragon and the Young Bucks started to go at it, but also the tag clacks and ha ah, sounded, so everybody was in the air. And there's no way I can recap it. It honestly was just like, move, stop, go, move, stop, go, move, stop, go, move, stop, go. I mean, there were so many last second pin breaks up, I thought I was going to die. Especially when Jungle Boy did this once with a 450. And then Nick Jackson decided to escalate that instantly by breaking up another one with a 450. So that is like barring your toast with your face, even though a knife would be perfectly fine. They had close calls after title shots and a BTE trigger. And this is when Luchasaurus once again was like, man, I'm going to dive onto everyone. And during this madness, Matt Jackson actually hit the most devastating move of all sports entertainment, the surprise roll up. And can you imagine if this had ended with that? I would have loved it. The big man saw this from afar though. He got back in the ring. He called to Jungle Boy. Let's hit our Thoracic Express, whatever it's called. They hit their move. And if you can believe it, they got the one, two, three. They retained their championship. And once again, I didn't predict that at all because I'm crap at that game. But then I had to go and lay down and just get some energy back because this was so, so off the chain. And it's getting it up. And in case you hadn't had enough insanity for your brain <laughs> after this, it was the face of the Revolution ladder match. I was actually feeling a little bit anxious because I'm like, well, I'm already up here. How much higher am I going to go? It also meant it was Wardlow versus Keith Lee versus Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks versus Christian Cage and versus Orange Cassidy. And how any of them are walking around today pain-free, I will never know. You knew the big man aspect was going to tie in here, so the Giants got rid of the smaller dudes so they could face off. But this is when Orange was back in the ring and he was doing all his little weak kicks. And when they tried to stop him, he basically got onto their backs and he tried to grab the brass sonic ring 
He's a smart guy. Cassidy and Starks were then being hurled at the ring, and then Christian saw powerhouse Hobbs. He's like, ha ha, I'm going to give you a DDT off the ladder. And then Keith Lee was in there, and he took out Ricky Starks and Cage with a crossbody. And then given that Orange jumped him at the wrong time, he just got his legs, and he started using him as a weapon. That ain't normal. The carnage then started to get really crazy because Wardlow was like, wait a minute, I haven't done much of anything. So he got in there and he started smashing falls. And then there was spear after spear when Orange Cassidy and Ricky Starks jumped on Wardlow's back. So do you know what he did? He's like, man, you two are nothing like flies. He started to climb the damn ladder regardless. Everyone was then falling off ladders and taking bumps and it looked like hell. And Keith clearly wanted a clean ring because he started grabbing people and chucking them over the top rope like they were garbage. It also saw Lee, Wardlow and Hobbs go back to looking at each other and they fought up the rampway a little bit where Hobbs and Wardlow broke apart a ladder like it was some kind of wishbone where you're eating some chicken. Now Wardlow was so excited to use his, Hobbs just smashed him from behind and then he was using it on everybody else. This was actual death, especially when Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs were teetering on the stage when Wardlow then returned from nowhere and he pushed him off there through a flipping table. Just to be sure there was no let up, Dan Housen was then here and he cursed Ricky Starks and it always makes me laugh. But also seriously, that worked straight away because Wardlow got him and there was like this ladder bridge and he powerbombed Ricky Starks into it, but his neck just went into the steel. I was genuinely worried, but apparently he's okay. It did leave Wardlow with a clear path to the top and he got the brass ring. So not only is he now the face of the revolution, but he's also the number one contender for the TNT title. And given what happens later with MJF, it's just a massive applause all around and it's getting it up. And then Shane Strickland signed with AEW. <laughs> what was going on in this show? This was much like the other new signee segments we have done on pay-per-views, but Tony Schiavone said, here he comes. He came out, he looked happy. The fans gave him a great reception. And I tell you, keep an eye on this dude. He gotta smash it. Jade Cargill versus Ty Conte for the TBS title followed. And I tell you, we are doing everything possible to make Jade a star. I mean, she came out to a guitarist playing her entrance music live. That is always badass. It's also why, even though certain parts of this match were a little mistimed, what they made up for, I guess, in a lack of finesse, was more than made up for just full-on adrenaline and making sure this felt like a big deal. She followed that with judo throws and man, all of these pump kicks into the corner, but that was a terrible idea. Because after Ty Conte decided to take out Mark Sterling, Jay Cargill turned around and she just pump kicked Anna Jay's face off. It was a bit like, that's my move, you don't get to use it. Anna was having none of that though, so she smacked Jade with a chair. This basically happened in front of the referee, like, man, no, I don't care. Do whatever the hell you want. But this led to two pretty good near falls. One right after that, but when Jade did get back up, Ty Conte hit the DD tie and she got another one. But you can't keep Jade Cargill down, especially because when she made her entrance, she looked like a Mortal Kombat character. Anna was then back casting distraction once again. It's like, man, maybe we need to turn that down a little bit. But it worked once again because Ty hit a pile driver onto Jade Cargill and it went one, two, and when she kicked out, I went, ooh. All of this probably would have gone fine if Ty hadn't gone to the top rope as well, but she did do that. Jade stopped her. She smashed her with the Jaded. She went 29-0, and seriously, given that, as obviously the number states, she hasn't even had 30 professional matches, Jade Cargill is going right to the top, and Ty Conte just seems to get better every single time. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Before we go any further though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. It was story time next, not because Adam Cole was out here, but because of all the wonderfulness between MJF and CM Punk was about to continue and move into the stratosphere. I mean, even the entrances had this because MJF came out to CM Punk's theme, whereas Punk came out to all his old Ring of Honor stuff. And all you had to do here was settle your tush in and watch 20 minutes of top-tier narrative storytelling wrestling. I mean, whatever your expectations were, this probably exceeded them. And of course, do not forget, it was a dog collar match. So almost instantly, you had CM Punk trying to kill MJF. Like, Maxwell ran away, but Punk would pull him back and he got caught on the ropes at one point. Like, ah, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And if you don't know, if you don't breathe for a while, you will die. Of course, as soon as Punk was on top, MJF was all like begging off, and please, please, CM Punk, leave me alone. I didn't mean it. But this is also when he grabbed the chain, he punched Punk right in the head and the blood started to flow again. I mean, it was no big surprise. Punk had said this was going to happen. MJF then grabbed a microphone because he wanted Punk to quit. But Punk was all like, go eat shib, Max, until he headbutted him right in the groin. I was like, well, that was a really smart move. That's a way to get back on top. And they just beat each other to an almost disturbing degree, especially when Punk went for the DTS. But MJF took his, like, nails and rammed into Punk's cut to make that even worse. And as soon as he saw he had an opening, he took the chain and he wrapped it around Punk's neck to apply the sleeper, which, yes, was a callback to match number one. This time Punk didn't fade and right after that we started transitioning from the salt of the half iron bar to the anaconda device but when Maxwell got a little bit worried he grabbed Punk's hair and he hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. Now look this was never going to end that way but I bit just a little bit. Some of the steel steps were then in use because clearly a steel chain wasn't enough but actually all the work that MJF had done paid off here because Punk went to hit the GTS but he wasn't able to do it because he's like oh man I've got nothing left because he'd been bleeding everywhere. So instead, he took Friedman over to the ring apron 
And he gave him a tombstone. Thumbtacks were soon involved because clearly we need to take the violence level up to 89. And for one second, it looked like Punk was going to hit the Pepsi plunge onto me. And I was like, oh, thank goodness it didn't happen. And then straight away, Maxwell Jacob Friedman gave him a superplex to them instead. And this is what I did. I just shook my head. Don't forget, Punk didn't need to do this, but he did. Throughout all of this, the collar came a little bit loose as well. So MGF told Wardlow to come to the ring. And this is when we took all that story stuff and we just rubbed it all over our bodies. Because Maxwell was demanding that Wardlow pass him the diamond ring. But even though he looked for it, oh, can you believe it? He doesn't know where it is. He must have worn the wrong suit. Punk then used all of this to hit the GTS into the thumbtack. So I went all oogly boogly. Because I was like, oh my gosh, that was disgusting. When all of a sudden Wardlow went, oh, I didn't check my other pocket. What a silly goose. He found the diamond ring. He left it on the mat. And seriously, he walked away to just the craziest amount of cheers you ever heard. That dude going babyface. Punk then picked up this ring, even though Wardlow never actually handed it to him. And even though MGF did go and spit in Punk's face, he took it, he slammed him in the head, he pinned him for the one, two, three, and this just gets the biggest round of applause. It was so damn good, it built, and the ending felt like something from, I don't know, Shakespeare. That's a massive exaggeration, it didn't, but you know what I'm trying to tell you. And I've enjoyed all of this so much, it doesn't just get it up it gets the golden up. And I felt really sorry for whoever was going to follow this because it didn't matter who you are, it was going to be really tough. However, it was Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW women's title. Now, I have seen some people melt down over this because once again, it was just full of distractions and interference. But by now, shouldn't we be up to speed? If Baker is going to have a match, Rebel is going to be there, Jamie Hayter is going to be there, and they are going to hit the interference button like they think it's going out of fashion. So the only way you're actually going to be able to defeat her is by getting rid of all her minions. It's like when you have a boss fight in the video game, you've got to take out the first form, and then the second form somehow has weird powers, and all of a sudden, all the buttons on your controller are doing the reverse. It's not like every single match has this either. However, I do have one point to make now that I have established all of that. Where the flummins was Mercedes Martinez? I thought the whole point was Thunder Rosa being like, man, I've got to be smart here. I've got to be on my game. I need a friend to defend against her friends. So, hey, Mercedes, I know we started off on the bad foot, but now we can be buddies. And yet she was nowhere to be found, which is even more disappointing because she had this match won. That's right. She too hit a tombstone power driver, which was the move of the night. And she had a visual pinfall. She pinned Bit Baker one, two, three. But of course, Jamie Hayter and Rebel distracted the referee. So it counts for nothing. This also happened again when Thunder Rosa had a submission locked in. So I was just going, call Mercedes Martinez. Literally get a phone out of your pocket. Go, look, I know I was coming down here trying to be the strong baby face, trying to live up to all my beliefs and my honors and my morals. But it is going terribly wrong. Just walk down that ring and glare at them. And I think that will probably work. Sadly, this did not happen. And even though Thunder Rosa was able to kick out of a curb stop onto the title, after she had finally decided, well, I have to take care of business. And she smashed up JB hater and rebel when she got back in the ring she got hit with another curb stomp one two three Britt Baker is still your champion so I'm kind of torn about all of this because on the one hand I did think it was an enjoyable match I had a good time but on the other I was like yeah Mercedes definitely needed to be there and also it kind of just felt to me deep down in my tum tum this was the time to make Thunder Rosa the champ I mean you definitely don't want to miss the peak which is very easy to do in wrestling so I'm going to be that guy for the match itself I'm giving it an up but for all the other things I have talked about I am giving it down although i do bet you brett baker loses it soon just another thought i had ryan danielson and john moxley then smashed it 
I mean, what even was this pay-per-view? This was all about the fact that we had Mr. Technical Wrestling versus Mr. Brawler. So this is exactly what we tied into. Like at first, Daniel was all like, man, look at my moves, I can do this. And he was celebrating. So Mox was like, well, I don't appreciate that. So he started to punch him right in the face. He then had more strikes, flips, and lariats as Brian continued to go, oh man, I'm having such a good time. But seriously, he needed to learn this was not the way to do it. Because every time John saw it, he was like, all right, well, you've annoyed me now. I'm going to try and rip off your face. It was so well done, though. They're both such terrific wrestlers. And of course, within around about five minutes, both guys were bleeding. But much like the CM Punk and MGF stuff, this was the whole point of the thing. I mean, they literally told you that's what they were going to do. There was then this potty avalanche suplex as Brian Danielson tried to kill John Moxley. And when they landed on the mat, Danielson took his elbow and he started to smash it into Moxley's face. He also then put on the dragon sleeper, meaning John had to like scramble to the ropes. And this actually took me by surprise. I was like, that's Mox. No one does this to him. He needs to fight back. Naturally, that is exactly what happened because Moxley took the hardest part of his arm and started smashing it into Brian's skull. But then he almost decided to try and outdo Brian because he locked in his own submission. Danielson then reversed that into the label lock. So once again, Moxie had to grab the ropes. They then kicked each other's head in because nothing else was working. And I don't think this was pulled at all. And when it came to the finish, my word, what a great example of how to use the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. Because once again, Moxie found himself locked in a submission. He didn't know what to do apart from use his instincts. So out of nowhere, he kind of rolled Brian onto his back. The ref went one, two, three. And if you want to say he stole one here, well, you'd be absolutely right. Neither guy could believe this had happened, so instantly they started to brawl once again. And after a bunch of referees and officials couldn't break them up from nowhere, of all people who came walking to the ring, I was so happy. It was William Regal. He gave Mox a slap as Brian smiled with glee, but he turned around and he slapped Danielson as well. And the whole time he was like, I taught you better, I taught you better. Because, of course, if you go learn about their past, both guys have said, oh my gosh, William Regal's the greatest person ever. And now he's here essentially telling them to become a team. He eventually made them shake hands. I guess they are going to be a pairing. And I'm sorry, I know I'm breaking all of my rules, but you do not understand how much I love William Regal. He's basically a hero of mine. And this made me squeal with joy because I'm a very strange person. So I don't care. You get mad in the comments. That's what they're there for. Because all of it, the match, the aftermath, the fact that William Regal's in AEW, it doesn't just get an up. It gets a golden up. Actually, no, no, I've come up with a much better idea. It doesn't get golden up. Get rid of that. It gets the first and only ever Regal up. And then Sting went, oh yeah, by the way, I'm one of the best ever. I mean, if I could just stand here and go, Sting is 62 years old, Sting is 62 years old, Sting is 62 years old, that's what I do. Because Sting is 62 years old, and I don't think Sting knows he's 62 years old. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Matt Hardy, Isaiah, Cassidy, Andrade also just ensured this is the most fun you could possibly have watching men wrestle in their pants. I mean, straight away, Darby Allen was doing all of his dives. It was just so good. I mean, assistant Jose also got hit by a trash can. Matt Hardy was smacking everybody with a chair. Andrade at one point grabbed Sammy and threw him into the crowd, for goodness sake. And then when Sting was back in the ring and people were attacking him, he did his no-sell thing and he started beating everybody up and there are some people out there when this happened that goes oh, I don't ever want to see the no sell thing again come and fight me because you don't know what you're talking about. Guevara then got wrecked on the outside by a private party as they hit the gin and juice onto the floor and clearly the AHFO whatever the fluff it's called it paid the butcher and the blade double time because they had shut up their shop early on a Sunday and they were here too and this is when Darby Allen got grabbed by the butcher and he was just swinging him into Barry Barricade. I was like man 
head is not meant to go into steel like that. I then could not believe what happened next because we went to the top of the aisleway and we found all these tables set up and Sammy Guevara and Isaiah Cassidy fighting on top of the stage. And they were really high up. And of course, there's no padding down there. And of all the moves, they did a Spanish fly through the tables. Poor Isaiah's foot just went flying into the floor. This made me collapse because I couldn't believe it. But honestly, they deserve all the praise in the world. They also crazy. Sting must have seen this from afar as well. Because then over another point of the arena, a bunch more tables were stacked up. Andrade was laid on top and Sting climbed up and he was high. I tell you, he's also 62 years old and he did a diving splash onto Mr. Tranquilo through all of this wood. Rightfully so, the crowd went crazy. Somebody gets Sting some kind of a medal that just says, I am the best person ever because it is 100% true. We then flew back in the ring as Darby had also been inspired by this and he hit a scorpion death drop through a chair onto Matt Hardy and then hit the coffin drop to get the one, two, three. And I swear, this may have been perfect. It was was so entertaining. I thought it was so damn good. It was the perfect thing to have before we did get to the main event. It's getting up. I love Sting. Even with all of this too, we still had a banger of a main event to go because it was Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole for the AEW title. Let's just keep it nice and simple. The fans were the highlight of this because they came up with about 12 different chants just aimed at Adam. And I cannot believe there are actually some individuals out there who are all like, man, you can't have somebody with the same name in the main event. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, what are we meant to do here? Do you want to be called Charles? There you go. It was Adam Coles versus Charles Page. Are you happy now? Good. Mr. Cole wasn't worried about this at all because he came flying out of the gates and started beating up the hangman. Although Page had a plan here. He was like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab you. And based on other things I've seen in the evening, I'm going to slam you into Barry Barricade over and over again. So we did. Cole then avoided a lariat, which saw Paige's arm go ramming into Rita the ring post. And that was going to tie into the whole story. And I was very pleased because straight after this, Adam Cole also used Simba the Steel Steps. So now I've completed my trifecta of stupid names. And I know this is a really idiotic show. Paige just couldn't get into this at all, though, because every time he tried, Cole just cut him off. And amazingly, what screwed over Cole was the fact he went for the Panama Sunrise. That was enough to wake the hangman up and he powerbombed Cole onto the apron before giving him that crazy suplex from the top to the outside. And I'm sorry, that thing doesn't get praised enough. The absolute best bit, though, is when they were back in the ring and Paige decided to go for another moonsault and Adam Cole super kicked him out of midair. Somehow Paige then came back and hit a dead eye for an awesome near fall and then there was another tombstone. So I was like, that's it, that's it. Either a Carter is coming or the Undertaker is coming because all of a sudden the tombstone is just here, there and everywhere. That was never going to happen and instead Red Dragon came to the ring to cause the distraction which allowed Adam Cole to hit a Panama Sunrise on the floor. But that only got a two when Carter, Ronnie and Bobby Fish used all of their MP. They caused more distraction and this is when Adam Cole hit Panama Sunrise. He hit the boom, and I honestly thought that was it. I thought Adam Cole was our brand new AEW champion, but Hangman Adam Page kicked out. It was kind of quite clear what we were doing. Fish and O'Reilly then really flubbed it because they set a table up at ringside, but Hangman went, all right, well, I'm just going to dead-eye Cole through it. And this is when finally, finally, Dark Order were here to chase these guys off. But then back in the ring, the cowboy hit a buckshot lariat, and just as the ref was about to hit three, Cole grabbed the ropes at the last minute. I mean, that really was pretty good. Page then decided he would get revenge for what happened on Rampage because he tied Adam Cole up in the ropes. And then later on, he hit him with his own version of the 
boom. He followed up with the buckshot. He got the one, two, three. He is still AEW champion. And let's just be honest with it. That man does not have bad matches when he's got the gold. Adam Cole also came out with Halo Spartan armor on. So I was nerding out like an absolute kid. And seriously, you need to go and watch this pay-per-view. AEW deciding only to have four a year means every single one feels like the greatest thing ever. To the point, get mad again, it doesn't just get it up, it's getting the golden up. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.